Welcome to Rain City Supercars. I am Nick. I'm Dan. And we are back from your garage. Or we shouldn't be telling that information, should we? Yeah. We're 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 definitely not together anywhere. It's our safe place. It's fine. It's fine. This is not my safe place. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, coming at you live from my garage. So that's a that's a new one for us. But we're still brought to you by our friends at Avance, Haggerty, Carter Subaru, Drivers Club, and Rainier Beer. Nice. I heard you were on call this weekend, right? I was. Yeah. So, so you that was a, you had a fun weekend, weekend of being at home. Yeah, I yeah. did do a bunch of rides. I uh, didn't crash again. I'm uh, enjoying the empty streets of the surrounding neighborhoods, and my knee is less swollen. <laughs> it couldn't have been any more swollen. You wouldn't be able to get in your pants. Ye- yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Shut up, Dan. <laughs> I, just, I, I was coming through Kirkland today, and some guy on one of those one wheels like you've got came off the curb, and I about ran him over. Sure, I was swerving to hit him, but I almost ran him over. <laughs> so, you know, teach him a, you know. I feel like one of those old guys on my porch, like, get off my lawn. So. <laughs> Yeah. It's been kind of nice. I've been riding through the streets because it's just, you know, there's nobody yeah. around. Neighbors are friendly. That's still good. Um, yeah, I got my brake rotor in today. Ooh, fun. Yes, you saw that. So uh, <laughs> if anybody didn't listen to our last episode, you didn't understand, you didn't hear that Porsche brake rotors cost $9,400. Um, in case you're curious what a carbon not ceramic rotors, list. rotor. Rotor, not one. Singular. Not, not yeah. a set. One yeah. costs. Yeah. And uh, I ordered one, not at that price, thank God. Uh and they left it outside my door today. So that I was, was really funny. glad I was home. <laughs> so That's thanks, okay. United States Postal Service, and the place that shipped it and just left it as no signature. I, I feel like <laughs> if somebody had stolen that, um, I don't know if they would have known what to do with it, like let alone if they opened it up and would know what it was. So I, I mean, you I, see some guy driving along with one, a Sonda Civic with one rotor. <laughs> so, yeah, really good braking, though. One 420 or 10 millimeter, whatever it is. Absolutely. Rotor. You can make that work on a Civic. It's a, yeah. center locking. Absolutely. Civic with a center lock. Yep. Happens yep. <laughs> the best of us. Yeah. Um, so we have a guest today, so we're making our intro a little shorter. Uh, but I do have the Carter Subaru tip of the week. Give it to us. So it was what made me think of this is uh, a lot of people have their vehicles. So nobody's, we were talking about gas prices have dropped to absolutely negative today. Um, but thanks to Washington gas tax, things are still crazy expensive here and yeah. not being put to good use as usual. Yay, Washington. But I got me thinking, cars are sitting, and they've been sitting for quite a while. Most, a lot of people aren't driving at all. And somebody asked me the other day, do I have to worry about my gas in my car sitting here? And so I did some research because I was like, huh, I wonder how long it does go bad here. Uh, gas does go bad uh, due to two things, uh, oxygen getting in the tank and uh, moisture. So you're adding water gets in the fuel and mixes with it. And so they say gas by itself sitting in a container, like say you got a gas container or in your tank, lasts about three to six months. Um, if you have, It's better to keep a full tank than a, than a low tank. Okay. And diesel lasts six to 12 months. Because of our moisture-rich environment here, uh, err on the side of caution. We're going to be on the low side here. Uh, if you're in Southern California, you're going to be on the high side of the five to six month range. Still, uh, major point here that one, never leave your car with an empty tank sitting uh, no matter what it is and if you are going to leave it longer than the minimum of three to six months three months or diesel six months you can add a fuel stabilizer and okay. fuel stabilizers uh, last up to 24 months here just divide that in half so 12 months okay. so that's about the most you want to get that out is of half, it. Yeah. Uh, those of us with uh, dirt bikes power sports equipment even lawnmowers where things sit and you don't go all the way through, make sure you're flushing your tanks out if you have to. If you have to drop your tank and drain the fuel, you can do that. But the best thing you can possibly do, drive it. Keep it topped off and drive it. And you can't turn bad fuel good. Once it's gone bad and that water's got in there, the stable, adding a fuel stabilizer isn't going to revive it. So what do you do? Do you run it through the car or just you've you got to drain, drain the drain tank? Drain it out. Drain the tank. Okay. Yeah. And That's so, always simple. 
Yeah, not yeah. easy to do. So drive your cars. That's the best thing you can do. Got to get a garden hose and just suck. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, nice. So there's well, my quick intro before we introduce our very, uh, very excited to have our guest today because I'm a yeah. fan of his work. Uh, I am a big fan of his work, and, and before we, were, we, we started this, I, I found out that not only is he from Spokane, but we went to the same high school, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Did you pick on him in high school? Is no, 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 no. <laughs> he was much cooler than anyone. I, I didn't know him in high school. I just said he went to the same high school as me, so yeah. Doug is teasing us with whiskey on the camera. And, um, Meanie. I know. I'm yeah. just drinking beer over here. Yeah. But anyway, Craig Brooks, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you so much, guys. It's a real pleasure to be with you guys. Thanks. You don't have to lie. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us enough. virtually. He's like, I had nothing better to do today, and it's not laundry day. And <laughs> No, I showered. Look at you. Clothes. Oh, my gosh. I put on shoes. I, I put, forgot something. It is, it, it's weird that the small things we used to take for granted are big things now. It's like, I showered today. Like, is that not something you used to do? Like, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> so. Craig, thank you so much for taking time. Um, and the, the, the people can't see this, but he is sitting in his lovely garage with a beautiful, beautiful car we should talk about later. But uh, So... You may know Craig from such films as. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I Well, I know some of them because a lot of them were sent to me today, and I spent a lot of time doing things that I shouldn't have been doing watching those videos. Instead again of working? Again and again and again and again. Tell us about Ren Films, your creation. Well, I should back up a little bit and tell you how Ren Films came to be through all of this. So um, the car behind me was really kind of the impetus of all of it. <clears throat> My father-in-law would regale me with stories of how back in the day he had a 57, 58, 59, 62, 356. And so I just kind of filled my head with, I need to have an old car. Looked around, found this one on Hemmings, <clears throat> made it, kind of bought it sight on scene. So I just knew that I had to get it. At the same time, I was, um, I'm a commercial director and producer and at my production company, Content Partners, I kind of wanted to take a little diversion from a lot of the usual work that we were doing. And so at the time I made a big personal project film. It was a big 10 minute cinematic documentary on a motorcycle builder and a furniture maker, which really got me thinking about doing different kinds of work, doing things that I really wanted to do versus all kind of the commercial stuff that we were doing. So that was really in my head and I just got in this car. And then a buddy of mine said, hey, have you been down to the vintage races? And I was like, no, I've never been, never been down to the track. And so he said, well, why don't you come on down with me? They're, they're having some races this weekend and we'll go check it out. And I was like, all right, I guess. And so I had thought like vintage races were old cars, old guys, just kind of putzing around the track and that it wasn't this cool thing. So we pull up down at Pacific, park the car in the trees, and I get out, and it's the big bore cars are going, and it's loud as shit, and they're just going full on. And I was just like, I had no idea what was going on. And so I spent that entire day walking around the paddock, looking at the track with kind of my jaw open a little bit, kind of like, what is this crazy world that is happening? And who are these people? what are these loud cars and they're super cool. I'm a big design guy. And so I got completely taken with the alphas and the Jags and the Porsches and just 
the lines of the car and everything. So that was that moment down at the Sovereign Races in what was now, I think, 20, early 2015 was what really just kind of all of a sudden this door to another party opened up. And I walked in and was like, son of a bitch. And so <laughs> I knew that my next film had to be around this car, this whole world. So I talked to a few different people. My brother, my oldest, a guy who raced, he raced an old 911. <clears throat> and so I started talking with him. And then I talked to a few other drivers and I realized, well, this isn't like something that these guys do as a bucket list thing. They don't just kind of get a car and race and do all that. Like these guys have been doing it for 10, 15 years or more. There are no spectators. There's no prize money. It's not even a trophy, but they go out there and they put on fire suits and underwear, fireproof underwear, and they go full out because they could catch fire and roll their yeah. car. Yeah. <laughs> They're racing real dangerous race cars why on earth do you guys do this as a hobby? So then I was like, all right, well, I need to make a film about this. I need to kind of like talk to these guys and everything. And so 2015, I made a film. We filmed it at the, what do they call that? The, their big, the big race in July. So the vintage races at uh, Laguna Seca? Vintage races, yeah, that um, at Pacific it's Raceways, yeah. it's their big uh, historics race. So oh, yeah. we brought seven cameras for four days and went down there and took the whole place over. All the old guys were like, what the hell are you doing? You kids down here. And we made this great film about it. And it, I just got hooked. I, uh, that's great, by the way. <laughs> we're blocking the sun for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny because it looks like everything just went out on your side. I block out the lights here and turns off the lights in your garage. You're welcome. Scrambling. What do I do on set when this happens? Scrambling um, artists can't even keep the power on. <laughs> no, hang on. So I'll walk and talk. So that, um, that kind of started the whole thing. That's where, and when I did that film, that's where I met Don Kitsch. And we just hit it off like two peas in a pod. And he really helped explain a lot about racing. He helped us kind of put a lot of that first film together. And so from there, that was really, that's when Ren Film started. And so it started as a purely passion-driven project where I just had to figure out what this event was. And then that just started to peel back the layers of who are these guys, what do they do? At that event, I met Cameron Healy, who was racing his 911 RSR. We had some conversations through Rick Danielson um, in the 356 group. He just said, hey, you know, Cameron's working on this really interesting car. You should ask him about it. So I talked to Cameron and that turned into the film with Cameron and Rod Emery about the number 46 car, the 1951 first Le Mans winner for Porsche, which was kind of a dream project for a documentary filmmaker like myself. I get to hang out with Rod Emery, Cameron Healy, Jeff Swart, Pat Long, telling the story of probably the most significant Porsche in Porsche motorsports. You know, that's, um, that sounds horrible. I'm sorry you had to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your sacrifice. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, and um, for the record, Rod Emery does not sleep. He <laughs> truly does work all the time. I made it a. I was there for the seven days before the the car went up to Pebble Beach, and I said, right, "I'm going to be here every minute that Rod is here." And I couldn't do it. I tried. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Um, let's let's go back a little bit. Like I said on the introduction, you grew up in Spokane. Uh, you know, you're a Tiger, LC Tiger. How did you end up with this passion of filmmaking? And 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 before we, you know, before we get into you know the the later filming, where'd you come from? Born in Montana, grew up in Spokane. Went to high school. Went to school at UW. Stayed here for a few years afterwards, and then wanted to kind of chase the Hollywood dream kind of thing, like a bunch of stupid, stupid people do. <laughs> so moved to LA and wanted to be on the other side of the camera to start. And so I ran that whole rigmarole for a number of years and realized that's a pretty difficult way to make a living. And so while I was there, I did pretty much everything. I drove trucks. I was a PA. I was um, transportation. I was every menial job. I was the worst bartender ever. <laughs> um, and then I was on a kind of a low budget indie type film and realized that, you know, the person who really has all the control here is the producer. I need to be, have that job because this sucks. So I went to the Kinkos on Sunset Boulevard and made up a business card that said Craig Brooks producer on it. And lo and behold, I was a producer. <laughs> that so, easy, huh? <laughs> just like that in a Cracker Jack box. Okay. <laughs> and through some really great friends, they helped me out and kind of gave me kind of a, a foot in, started producing music videos, started producing still campaigns with Warners and NBC and CBS all around the lot, then moved to New York doing the same thing, um, kind of expanding the reach a little bit. And then after kind of getting that merit badge, moved back here to Seattle. Uh, any, anything we would have heard of in the music video world or anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> but it was, uh, I can't remember now. But He's big into a, polka. Big thing, you know. <laughs> Yodeling. Yeah, absolutely. Yodeling and polka. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. You know, I honestly, I haven't, I can't remember anything. There was, I think there was one for LL Cool J and one for Pink, but it wasn't. Uh, I'm pretty sure we would have heard of those. Up and coming artists, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Super, yeah. Small time. Nice. Ladies love Cool James. Come on. Okay. Sure. <laughs> is, that cool what is, is that what it's? I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, ladies that. love Cool James. That's wow, what it stands for. so white. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Okay. A little different back then. Yeah. 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 Parts I remember. <laughs> yeah. Let's take our first break and then we come back. We're going to talk more about Ren Films, your career, your cars, and everything else in between. We'll be right back. We spend an average of eight hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens laptops, smartphones, tablets, even digital refrigerators. But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty for people who love cars. And we're back. 
I did not swallow that well. Sorry. <laughs> that's a great way to bring back the show, Nick. I'm, I had nothing I'm to really, do with that. I really apologize. So I, <laughs> I got to act like I've drank a beer before. Jeez. <laughs> Straight out of high school, huh? Pretty much. Like, wow. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's so. the Spokane boy. Yep, that's the way. Yeah, that's, I learned that. I learned that at at, uh, at Lewis and Clark. I mean, no, I never drank in high school. So, <laughs> not not at the school, at least. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, let's talk about uh, the vehicle behind you. Uh, our listeners, obviously, you have to describe it for them. Yeah, paint a, a picture. This is a nineteen sixty three fifty six. Um, go to our Instagram. It's all over there. Um, on our site, there's actually a film that we did. Uh, as well out in so it's this is kind of the impetus it's just bought it off of Hemmings really had no idea what I was getting into um, great story when it arrived <clears throat> I was out of town on a shoot wife had to receive the car she said the car is here what do I do and I go well just drive it home and at the time we lived up this super super steep hill and so she's in this car. It's the only time she's ever driven it. And she drove it up the steepest hill in a completely untuned car. Got it in there. And I hadn't had a chance to clean it out. It was a smaller garage at the time. Hadn't had a chance to clean it out. And so, so she calls me up. I'm on a location scout in Alaska. And she's like, what do I do with this car? And I go, well, just put it in the garage. And then she goes, well, there's no room. And I go, well, just put it inside the car and then climb out the window. And she goes, do you have any idea how small these windows are? This car is tiny. So we wedged it into the garage, got it in, came back. That was six years ago. And it's kind of been my little, my little buddy ever since. It's been my daily driver. I drove it last wow. year down to Luft in LA and back. And this year, knock on wood, if it gets pulled off in November, Luft is out in North Carolina. We're going to drive it out to North Carolina as well. And... So it's a real garage queen is what I'm Yeah, hearing. exactly. So, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's super clean. It's, um, it's gorgeous. It's a great 20-footer. It's a super project car. The floors, I like to say, were put in by Stevie Wonder because <laughs> is really curious. Um, when I dropped it off at Acres, I'm sure you won't mind me telling this story. When I dropped it off at Acres to have him check out the car, Danny took a look at it. And was there for a couple of days. And then I call up and I was like, Danny, what do you think of the car? And he goes, this is the biggest piece of shit I've seen in 40 years. <laughs> Get it out of my shop. Don't hold back. Tell us what you really feel. And, uh, but I love those guys and I love Danny dearly. Um, my office is just a couple of blocks away from them up on Capitol Hill. And they've taken great care of this car for the last six years. Mark is an absolute gem. And I think for the first couple of years, maybe they took pity on me with the car but now because i drive it so much and i work it and i, I don't baby it I'll parallel park it on the street i've got a photo of it parked in between a cement truck and a garbage truck up on 12th avenue and it's like but i love driving it so much it just it's it couldn't be more analog and yet it couldn't be more me it's just great. Have you always been a car guy or did you sort of stumble into this when you were, you know, like you said, you, you weren't making car films before and then you went to the vintage racing and it kind of opened up that, that passion. I was never, I was never a car guy. I was kind of a motorcycle guy kind of growing up a little bit, but I was never, I was never a car guy. And I'm, 
I'm kind of a car guy now, but all of my friends and everyone else knows way more about cars than I do. I couldn't really fix the engine on this. A lot of my buddies know the technical nature of what this light looks like versus this and everything. And, but I don't, I just kind of love this car and I love its super quirks about it. And I love driving it around. I love hearing and talking to all the guys and all their knowledge of the cars. But really it wasn't until the conversations with my father-in-law about the cars that he had back in the day. And then he showed me a picture of it. I wonder if it's, I still keep it inside the car. I kind of tuck it up inside. Just when I drive around, I see it was when he had a 62 that he drove cross country. But it really wasn't until those those conversations that it really, I was like, man, that's a really cool looking car. And being a design guy, I was like, that's really great. I feel like I need to have one. I should get one of those. And I was originally looking for a 912 because it was kind of the poor man's 911 because mm-hmm. it still looked great. It wasn't a, this expensive at the time. And then I saw this on Hemmings, knew my father-in-law was like, these are the greatest cars. And so I just instantly hit him up. I was the very first one to call him on it. We gave him a hundred bucks to hold it. And then I was like, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? So, but that, that really started the whole thing. I think that's such a cool story in the fact that, and, and I find that a lot when, when I talk to people, obviously, with the, the, the Jags and the Triumphs and things like that and the Porsches, these people that, people took these cars and they drove them across the country. Like, yeah. I mean, so many, I have a, a good friend of mine whose father went to West Point and he took delivery of a, of a Porsche when he came out of West Point and they drove it across the country. Like, it's just, the, the, it's the cool stories in the history. So, do you know the history of the car? Like, do you, do you have the whole history as far as where it, what, what happened and when and? The earliest photo that I have is from 2001 when it was red. Okay. And I can't track it back any further. It was originally white from the factory. Um, this is a 60, but it currently has a 64 engine in it. Okay. So it has like 10 more horsepower. Ooh. Ooh. Hey, that, that helps actually, in a that car helps like that. that. So, yeah. had a lot, actually. <laughs> After this time, it probably only has like 55 or something like that. But I don't know much. I got in touch with... Um, I bought it from a dealer back in DC and it had been flipped three times before the guy that I found that in who had it in Texas and chatted with him briefly about it. He didn't really do anything to it at all. He just drove it for, you think he had it for a year or so. He bought it from a guy in Michigan. Um, the best receipt in this whole thing is from 2006 when Vic Skermance did the transmission work. But beyond that, it came with a can of paint and four brushes. <laughs> that works. I mean, you know, could have wow. come with five or three. You know, that's the only difference. I think it's great that you really drive it. Like, that's that's a big deal, cars like this. So, yeah. you got to keep it. Um, I love it. I think it is, you know, racers talking about how you drive a slow car fast. And I feel like I drive this really fast all the time. Yeah. That's, it's a lot of fun to drive a slow car fast. You could just get all of it, you know, taking everything out of the car. I have my niece on Ultima Rental. I've been doing the same thing. It, I've, not, <laughs> I've noticed there's a few extra scratches on the wheels there. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. telling me it's burgundy. <laughs> it's God, no. The most generic rental you've ever seen. <laughs> but we do joke in the fact that it has a backup camera and his Porsche doesn't. So. It's true. Yeah, my Porsche yeah. does not have a backup camera <laughs> yeah. or anything with it. 
Yeah. Well, I don't have seat heaters. I don't have Bluetooth. I don't have uh, sound deadening. <laughs> what were they thinking back then? Right. <laughs> That's okay. I don't have windows on my car. So <laughs> we'll call it a win. So let's talk more about your film projects. Um, you recently did uh, one nice offer, a Drivers Club member. I don't think that's out there yet, but uh, we did get a little. Uh, I've seen the photos, especially on your page. The photos tell a lot of the story too, which I was really happy to see as I was going through the uh, yeah. the Ren Films page. Beautiful shots, by the way. This oh, is a good look at that! Mm-hmm. Oh man, that is yeah. beautiful. Uh, we have some very passionate Porsche drivers at Drivers Club, which all of our listeners know, but uh, and they really drive their cars. But this one in particular, I was very happy to see. Done. Yeah. Um, but really you also- glad that you guys got to see that. By the way, it hasn't been put out yet. You're the only ones to see it outside of the gentleman. It, um, <clears throat> there are pieces of that film that I'm probably most proud about from a lot of from the progression of all the stuff that we've done. So I'm excited to share that one soon. Yeah, some amazing footage. Uh, I want, I'm not going to give anything away because it's your no. it's your film. But the where you got the shots and where we saw the car go and the track it was on and the way it was moving, it was it was. Just beautiful, beautiful footage. And, so. and also, and I want to say this, and, and I'm not a, a film critic. You know, my favorite films are Tommy Boy and Super Troopers and things like that. But <laughs> you, you really, it, you Grandma's really boy. captured the person who you were who you were filming. Like yes, the, like the, the passion of it. So yeah. it was really cool to see that and, and, and see those cars in motion. So um, I, I can't wait when that actually comes out. But uh, it was it was it, it's funny because. It was interesting watching that film, and, and, and thank you again for sharing it with us, but to be able to sit there and kind of watch that and, and the passion and, and know, you know, I don't know how to, how to film things. Dan and I can talk about that all the time, but, you know, we, I don't know how to run a camera, like barely. I'm lucky if I don't run a drone into a wall, but, the pa- you know, you felt it. You felt like you felt like you were there, and I really feel like it was – it made me kind of stop and turn everything else off in the world. Yeah. You know, because I think in this world we're so like, I find myself I'm sitting there, I got my computer, I got my phone, I got my iPad and everything, and I'm like, I stopped. Netflix and I, is playing, playing some show, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I stopped it and I put it up on my 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 TV, and I just it just was such, there was a calming feeling with watching it because it showed the passion that went into that. So it's yeah. incredible. So yeah, yeah the the profile series that we kind of started with, um, we went on Greg Campbell and Jim Goodlett and his car and everything. We tried to. I didn't want to make another burnout movie. There's a, there's a lot of car movies. There's or car videos and things like that where, and I kind of wanted to go the opposite direction. Um, the film that I talked about, about the furniture maker and the motorcycle builder, which was about the first kind of big long form documentary personal project that was purely vanity driven. It was like, I want to pick these shots. I want to set these shots up and then I just want to let them sit and just go the opposite direction to all the typical fast cuts and everything, all the stuff that you typically see in car movies or car commercials and things like that. And so that was really, and in the film that you guys saw that I sent today, like there's moments of that where you sit on these shots and you let let them breathe out. You don't rush to the next shot. You just kind of let the moment evolve. And that was in the first film with Greg Campbell, I'm not sure if you guys watched that one. It was it was very much that same thing. It's like, how do we be really patient and tell a car story? Um, the other one that I really love is the one on Jim Goodlett, you know, which is the the safari car. Is is you have these moments with him and you just sit there and you pause, but then you counter that with a bunch of violence of the car and yeah. how you put those things together, how you have that ripping sound but then do things really quietly. So it's been really fun to play with a lot of different projects 
um, you know, it started off as a passion, a purely passion self project. And we found an audience, we've done work for Porsche, we've done work for a bunch of their different outlets. Um, we've grown into having our own arm car, um, a little Porsche Cayenne with a big arm on the top. And so we've done work for McLaren and Audi and Jeep and it's been it's been really really great to have something that started so simply of just I went to the vintage races in 2015 and want to tell the story of why these old guys get in these cars and go nuts to being something that is a real outlet that that really gets to you know be something yeah it's pretty cool I want to talk to you about one of your projects one of the films Nick and I both watched today <laughs> because it's a previous guest is uh, the heart of racing which uh, we are big fans of here, of course, Don Kitsch and uh, his group, but also the, the cause behind it. And how did you get involved? I mean, you said you're, is that just through Don you guys worked that out or was, what was the connection? How did that work out? Well, so when we did the first film with the Sovereign group in 2015, you know, that's kind of Don's home down there. Um, we all owe a lot of credit to Don what he's done down there and what he continues to do and how he really champions that track and we just hit it off and told him kind of what i was doing and what i wanted to do and where i wanted to take it um, it was in the previous iteration of the heart of racing and kind of what they were doing and i said well racing children's hospital I'm in, how do we do this? Yeah. I mean, there's there's a huge story there. There's a huge opportunity to, to do this. And I was just super hungry. I just really wanted to get on track and go film. So we, we worked it out and we followed them to Daytona, Sebring and Laguna and got to spend a few months with them. And over the course of that, got to know Don pretty well and consider him a pretty good friend and feel very lucky. I told some great films about it and got to stay up for 44 hours straight at Daytona and <laughs> see all the crazy people at Sebring. It was pretty great. The interesting angle that you, you, you covered with that, that I found, I don't, I, I'm sure it seems normal to you, but you interviewed the doctors and you, and they were talking yeah. about the correlation between a racing team and a cardiac team. And it was a very interesting it's something i never even thought about that it's one of those things you go oh duh yeah but i mean you're, you're seeing that side of it and I, I think that a lot of people up here i mean don's one of those people it's like you get in the same room with him and he just makes you feel like family he's just such a nice guy and yeah. the things they do and you know they'll be able to take their passion and really do good but you don't get to necessarily see the other side of it and i think you showed something that that I, I look at it and I go, yeah, well, duh, that that's a big part of it too. <laughs> like, where, 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 what, what these people are doing, what they're racing for, and how they're helping. So, <laughs> sorry, yeah. I had to shut your lights off again. <laughs> it said it's a new house. <laughs> Somebody's got a timer on your lights. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. My, uh, yeah. If there's a fire later, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you're going to push the Porsche out and then walk away. Yeah. yeah that's what I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, you know, that's. I know I, that was a really special project and we're actually with the team back this year as well, following them when they're in their Aston Martin team. It's, it's a really, really special organization, what they're doing, how they're supporting the hospital and how much every single member of that team cares. And, you know, it's not just the drivers, it's 
every guy all the way down to tires. It's really, really impressive, you know, and um, it's a, I'll never forget those six months of getting to be with those guys. I'm laughing at we're Craig's lights keep going off in his garage. It's very entertaining listeners. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna... Well, it's the opposite. The lights are off, but somebody is home. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the way you got to look at it. Yes. <laughs> some sparks going on there that's pretty cool oh well that's, well, that's not okay yeah that, what could go wrong <laughs> yeah with those wood rafters that look original <laughs> right over the fuel tank of a car too <laughs> yeah. So, yeah no that was um just i mean there's like i could i could really talk for hours about that it was i learned a lot about racing you know from the drivers and what it really means to be a race car driver you know there's um one of the drivers has this line where it's you know Everybody thinks to drive a race car, you just get in a car and go fast. And there's so much more to it. And to have that correlation between what they do on the track, all right, we're gonna fix this. <laughs> it's, um, it's really true. I mean, it, it does take a real group to pull off what they do. And um, it's a huge amount of work. So it's not unlike even the original film. I mean, if anybody wants to even go vintage racing and you want to do it and you have to get your car together and sort it and get out to the track and do all this work. I mean, it's so much work to turn so few laps. Yeah. It's a passion and you're, and you're showing that that's, you know, like you said, it's not just a, I think people look at, you know, these, these vintage race cars are the people that they just have money and they go out there and they're just wasting fuel, but it's a passion. You're not just doing, you're not just, you know, it, it, you have to be in good shape to be a race car driver. You have to, like you said, there's so much prep that takes to just run a few laps, but half of the, the love and the joy of the automobile and racing is, is the prep. So, and I think yeah. you, you, you know, you show that really well. Yeah. Not to mention the maintenance afterwards, the, after the race, it's not just the day of, it's everything afterwards. I'd imagine it's the uh, hey, same Hey, brake rotors are expensive, Dan. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What do you have? What's your car? I have a 2014 uh, Turbo S. And uh, I bought with it. With three good rotors. With three good rotors currently. <laughs> yeah. I bought it at uh, 27,000 miles in Delaware. Uh, it came from Bellevue. It went to Delaware. I flew over there, bought it, drove it back. I have 45,000 miles on the car now. And it's been all over the west side of the U.S. and has a lot more to go. You drove it? Back oh, yeah. From yeah, in three days. Yeah. <sighs> Nicely done. Yeah. Nicely so and, and you can get me in a car for as long as as long as I have vacation time to be in it, and I'm happy. I think people underestimate that when I say it, but I'm like, 6,500-mile road trip, let's do it. <laughs> well, technically, all you really need is a good cell phone signal. You could you could work from a car. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Actually, I have yeah. worked from road trips before. Sure. So, yeah. Always working. Yeah. Always working. So, is is there is there a genre of motorsports or something that you that you want to do? I mean, I don't want to give away, you know, your, your secret sauce, but... Where, where would, what would you like to do? What, what, what would be the film you'd like to make? Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> and I expect um, a good answer. I was going to ask the same one, actually. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what's that yeah. film that's out there in your head you haven't made yet? I have uh, mine, even. Yeah, I just I just got no talent. <laughs> mine doesn't involve cars, but I want to talk about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Small woodland creatures. Wow. It's like Bambi. <laughs> you know, it's a... That's a really good question. And I've been thinking about it a lot. I have a number of ideas on a whiteboard just over there, but nothing is really totally jumping out. There are places I want to go. Mm -hmm. um, 
There are tracks that I want to film at. There are locations that I want to film at. Um, and there's no shortage of really interesting people. So um, it'll, be a, it'll be a combination, I think, of a lot of those things. I'm curious by nature. I always wonder why everybody does what they do. And, you know, cars have always been a part of the story, but I never wanted them to just be the story. I wanted it to be about kind of all the things, all the things that I experience when I drive from the sound, but where am I going? What drives me to work on this car? You know, the, it was pretty funny. I told a buddy of mine that I was going to be on this and they were like, supercars? You don't have a supercar. <laughs> I go, well, I kind of have a supercar. And I think the reason that I love this car is no different than the reason anybody else loves the car that they have, whether it's a McLaren or, you know, a Raptor or anything <laughs> like that. I think there's, there's a connective tissue between everybody that has something that they really connect with and that they genuinely care about that really speaks to them in a way that you can't really describe. Yeah. I mean, we started this car, this show, it got the name because we kept meeting people with supercars and that was the least interesting part about them as we got to know them. You get, you know, it's, it's the, the, the shallow part people see at exotics or another car show in the areas. They see somebody pull up in a McLaren, like very cool car, awesome car. Right. But often the story they told about why they have it or how they got there was way more interesting than any car they pulled up in. And that's what we were drawn to is the, you know, the car show about people is what we came up with. And so it was like, yeah, we're meeting yeah. supercar owners, but we're like, that's that's such a tiny part of the story. It doesn't tell anything about them at all. And I, I think that, you know, Dan and I have worked really hard to try to broaden that idea of what a supercar is. Because to somebody, you know, I, I, I don't think it's engine power. I don't think it's where it's yeah. built. I think it's a matter of the fact that, you know, uh, like Dan said, if, if you have a passion for automobiles, you love your car, and you've worked really hard and you bought yourself an, a brand new Nissan Altima, to you, that's your supercar. And that's and that's the passion, and 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 you have a story of how you got it, you when you got it, when you got, you know there's there's that whole thing about it. I mean, it's one thing it, we always love to sit in our garages, believe me, and and look at the cars and, and detail our cars and wash our cars and drive our cars. But it's the story that you know, like you know, like you, you, the story of your Porsche is is such a great thing, and the fact that you got it from your, your father-in-law, which is a cool pass down. Which I'm assuming he no, absolutely he loved the fact. That, no, 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 he got the idea. Like yeah, saying, oh, yeah. yeah. Let me finish my statement. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. No, no I know. You didn't get it from me. But I'm saying, like, <laughs> the story behind the car is almost better than the car in some in, in some aspects. Yeah. I love so that you have the photo in the car. So, that's really cool. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I uh, one of the things that, you know, I've talked to Dan about, and and you, we, we, and I was excited to have you on because of – you know, you're, you're focusing on, on, on the automotive world and things like that. And one thing that I've really been taking interest in these days is some of the filmmakers of the old, the vintage films from Monaco, some of the races and oh things man, like that. Yeah. And some looking, and it's fun to watch the cars go around, but I always like to watch for the, 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 the filmmakers, and this is vintage stuff that I've seen, of people that show Monaco and what's going on in the town around the, uh, uh, around the races and things like that. So it's always fun to kind of see, yeah. you know, see the world, you know, we, you know. I always joke the fact that I hate NASCAR, but I will watch a film about how they design the car and what makes it go fast anytime. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that can get us on a long conversation about what's a compelling story yeah. and what's really interesting. You know, I think, I think that it, I like that I haven't been a car guy my entire life and that I came from a totally different kind of filmmaking from a commercial lifestyle type filmmaking 
here where I can appreciate this, but I understand the human behind it. And I'm just as, I'm just as interested to know some of the details on the car or the style of car as I am about how they came to, to have the car that they have. What drives them to do that? Why do they spend so much time? Why do they exert so much energy on a car? When it's really, it's a story more about the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody, and, and, and we have a chat going right now, but a really good question popped up. What's, the be- what's, what's your favorite story that you got to tell? Hmm. And again, we're judging your answer. <laughs> don't get this we have we know the answer we just want to see if you know the answer <laughs> well i'm gonna i'm gonna divert that question into a, a an answer that no one will probably really like i think it's an amalgamation of all the different stories that i've gotten to tell create a picture for me that that just makes me happy and smile and gets me motivated to tell more. You know, Greg Campbell's story is very different than Jim Goodlett's, which is, you know, very different than, you know, Wade's story. So, I mean, there's a whole, there's a very different kind of piece to every single one of them. And there isn't one that really stands out. I mean, I love a lot of shots in each one of them. There are a couple shots in Jim Goodlett's piece that just blow my mind, that I think are just absolutely incredible. But there's moments like that in each one of them. Yeah. I can relate to that entirely because everybody asks me all the time if they listen to the show, what's your favorite episode? And I'm like, well, here's 15 that I liked this moment of, but it's always bits and pieces. And yeah. Now, Dan tells people any episode he's on. That's <laughs> very egotistical. One where it's just my voice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. people assume it's his podcast anyway. So <laughs> it's always been the joke. No. It, and, I, and I think that you you are showing the passion, and that, that's kind of like the way Dan and I went, went about this, is the fact that we wanted to get out there and show these people, like, not necessarily the cars, which you can't show with cars through, you know, a podcast, but we want to show the passion, and I think that's something that I really, that's why I was literally looking forward to this today, so. This is my new favorite episode. <laughs> well, that's very sweet. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was definitely a conversation when I got started of, does anybody really need another goddamn car video yes <laughs> about a car you know and there were at the time we pulled up a bunch of different stuff and looked at it and we're like man this is so saturated with just there's so much out there and so you know i think that's we just kind of just went and did it and we just wanted to do it because it, they're for no other reason than our own curiosity and we had these conversations of, well, how do we tag it? Do we do this? We need to get to a certain number of followers and all this. And it was just like, that was never the goal. That was never anything around. It was never to get a bunch of subscribers and monetize a YouTube channel and do all that. It's like, I was perfectly happy if 10 people saw it or 10,000 saw it. It didn't really even matter. But so I, I, it was just more around how can I put together enough films and meet enough people because of all the questions that I have. I think that, you know, we look at the world, especially the YouTube world and, and the automotive side, it, it's saturated with content of people going, oh, people want to see burnouts and people want to <laughs> see drifting, uh, you know, by the cops and things like that. But I think your, pro, your your creations are so much more in the fact that, like you said, you're not, pu- you don't care about the views. You're putting the product out there. You're sharing the story. And I think that's, I wish more 
more people would do that. I mean, obviously, it makes you stand out incredibly, you know, to the other world out there. But um, you're staying power. That's yeah. for damn sure. I, th- I think <laughs> you know nobody's going to go back and look at what some of these YouTube creators and go, oh, I went back to their 2020 you know video and I, I watched their burnouts. Like you can go back and watch your content over and over again, and it'll still instill that passion. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's that. Uh, I'm start crying. It's not, that's really sweet. That's really nice to hear considering we never really had the intention to really essentially even make it for anybody else. We're just making it for ourselves. But I think that like, I think that's the point. Those other, those other people out there, they're making the path, they're making them for what people they think they want. Yeah. You're making it for yourself and it, it, because people share that passion. So yeah, it's in something interesting. The other thing that was, was also very apparent is, you know, a lot of these people had never done something before. So they're opening up their kind of world for us to kind of come in. And so it was, it was definitely very apparent that it was a responsibility to make sure that we make something that they're happy with and they're proud of that they will want to share, or even if they just kept it for themselves, just know that I feel really good about this, you know, cause you're really, you know, it's a, just sit down and, turn this around. And then I asked them a thousand questions and everything too. It's like, <laughs> you really get to kind of the heart of the matter on it. And a lot of these people are, are pretty private. So you yeah. want to be very careful. Yeah. We have run into that many times. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. When we get back. Uh, there's some great questions in the chat that I'd love to address after the break. So we will be right back. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. And we're back. Everybody has uh, gone to the bathroom. All the beer is gone. We're good. So um, this is a question that... that, that that I wanted, to, I, I kind of wanted to ask you because you, you said you had said you went down to the Kinkos and made made yourself a uh, business card. A business card. What does a producer do? Like I always figured it was the guy that made made you know business cards. Business cards. Yeah, the Kinkos <laughs> big business guy. Like, what does what does he do? Yeah. What, yeah, that's a good question. I think because I asked it. <laughs> Well, that's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> you are from Hollywood. You're great. Thanks. <laughs> Well, they do, they do a lot of things. You know, there's various varying levels of producer. EPs, executive producers, tend to put all the money together and distribution and stuff like that. A lot of the producers are ones that do the nuts and bolts logistics of getting <clears throat> crew A to crew B to locations to permits. Then you have production coordinators and people below them are assistant producers as well. And so you do a lot. You are the ones that really do the lifting to get the productions off the ground. Okay. So, but I mean, um, you, you didn't just start by going down and saying, I'm going to be a producer. Like you were working like multiple jobs. I mean, give, give me, give me an idea of what a, a day was like before you became that producer. Like, cause you said you were, you were tending bar and things like that. Well, I moved to LA to be an actor. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. A buffoon. So I, you do, whatever you have to do to survive. And so you audition when you can, but you have to just, you have to work. And so I 
a buddy of mine got me a job as a bartender. Um, I got fired from that because I was horrible. <laughs> and okay. luckily got super lucky and got connected with a woman who does private parties. So I would bartend at private parties all around LA. It's exactly what you think it might have been. Oh. And, 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 but she was great and she was perfect for me because she was like, you know what? I don't want to get a lot of booze. Let's just do gin and tonics, vodka tonics and some rum and cokes and we'll just call it a day. And I was like, that's perfect. Yeah. Name, four drinks. The answer is in the name. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it's, um, I always say, you know, it's a, it is kind of a funny joke that I went and got business cards printed and it's kind of, you know, the big cliche, but it's exactly what I did printed them off and really hustled my way into trying to get work. At the same time, I was driving RVs for still photo shoots and music videos. And so a combination of all those different things. And so if I'm bartending at night and then I'm driving RVs like during the day, here's a, I'll pick you a little picture. So I would drive an RV during the day on a shoot and one particular example was in the valley. I was on a shoot for about 14, 15 hours. Finished that shoot, packed everything up. I drove to Malibu, parked outside a few houses down from the house in Malibu, parked the RV, locked everything up, changed in the RV, walked down the street, walked in the house, bartended until about 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning, walked back to the RV, drove to back to the valley slept in the rv that night cleaned everything back up and was back on set for the next morning and so that's kind of the cycle it's very much do what you have to do you know when you have no options and you're trying to scrap it out in la and you have limited skills so you you were living out of your car then i mean no joke or borrowed rvs (laughs) or borrowed rvs yeah well i did that once and then you know in between places i stayed at at a fraternity buddy's place in santa monica for a little bit and then i was in the interim between getting my own place and moving out i had learned that when you're driving rvs you can go down to there's an rv park at the very end of lax and go in that's where you have a dumping cleaning station. Well, I got to know those guys really well from doing all of my work and everything. And I was like, well, I had about four days when I had no place, but I had a car. And so I could go down there and I slept in my car on the beach in LA. Which there are worse places to sleep in your car, but I mean, yeah, still that, 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 <laughs> yeah. that shows the struggle that it, it takes. Yeah, to it's be, working. Yeah. It wasn't an under an underpass for sure. I mean, but it's still, I mean, still living in your car (laughs) it's a pretty good motivation if you if you really want to get out of that and you really want to do something and so it really drives you to kind of do what you have to do yeah well i hope you do something someday could you know just here's open (laughs) at it and with your direction and guidance i mean he's he's living he's in he's living in the back of that porsche we know that right (laughs) that would be somebody else's garage uh no (laughs) (laughs) now but no Tell me, uh, since you, you admittedly weren't a car guy, really, you said, until you got the Porsche, what was your first car? I think the first car that I had was for the lawn business that my brother and I had. And I think it was a Volkswagen diesel pickup. Oh, man. White with blue interior, stick shift. A real power horse. Kind of a cool little car, actually. 
We had that, and then we had a C10 pickup with a Corvette engine in it that we used to mow lawns, if you can believe that. And then it was a series of Volvos. Yeah. T40 DLs, wagons, sedans. Did you crash any of them? What was your first wreck? <clears throat> I didn't crash, but there's a great story of a buddy of mine. Um, Nick will appreciate this, being a Spokane guy. Um, <laughs> Crashes in Spokane. Interesting. I'm, I'm listening. Car, winter, fake ID, snow, Citation X11, I think that was. I feel like I might have been there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did crash a buddy of mine's Ford Bronco 2. We were going, uh, do you know High Drive? Oh, yeah. I mean, no. <laughs> so, so High Drive has, you know, there's a road on the outside, then there's a road on the inside. Mm -hmm. And we just wanted to get to that outside road, but we just wanted to get there really fast. You drove so over we, that giant nicely mowed median, didn't you? And the boulder that was also <laughs> right oh, there. Oh, yes, there are some that. rocks there. Yeah, yeah. Here's one for you. I drove down high drive once, not the road, like the side of the mountain. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I only saw you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, You're yeah. like, oh, you were that guy. That guy. Yep. I've heard that a lot in my life. <laughs> oh, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it all connects, right? Yep. <laughs> Another good question we had from earlier on was uh, in your film career, do you feel like there's a story out there you really want to tell and haven't had the chance to yet? Have you come across a couple of those? Is there, uh, on, you said you got a whiteboard of ideas, but. I, I don't, um, I don't know yet. There's, there's a couple out there that I'm not going to share that I'm, I'm, I'm hoping come mm -hmm. to fruition. Um, there's, there's a lot of places I want to go and a lot of places that I want to film and use as backdrops for people's stories. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a couple really big ones out there, but there's also, there's a lot of just individual profile films of just people that I'm really curious about. Cool. You can ask Dan and I'll do one of your films. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> okay, good. I, I mean, really as long as you'll work with us, you know, we're producers now. So um, <laughs> we're kind of a big deal. So yeah. Done. So, Sorry, our audio cut out there to somebody oh, else. Okay. I was like, I was what like, happened wait a there? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, what were your guys' first cars? 1979 Ford Granada, and it was Granny Apple Green. My grandfather gave yep. it to me. And I donated it to Spalding Auto Parts. You'll understand that. <laughs> I, I, I didn't donate. I guess they took it for $100. I was going to cut the roof off it and make it a convertible, but yeah. <laughs> I had an 84 Volkswagen Scirocco with every bad modification you can think of under the sun. That's a great car. Yeah. Not quite the GTI, but. No, no, it was a, Ooh. it was a really fun car though. It had a, had a lot of room in the back with the hatchback and yeah, I had some good high school memories in that. So he's trying to turn the tables on us. He's starting to ask us questions. I know. Hey, listen was, here, buddy. <laughs> That's just my job. What was the first car that you guys wrecked? That, that Scirocco. I've never wrecked a car. Yeah. I, I, I have, I have never been in an accident that hasn't been somebody else's fault. And I do not know how because I am a erratic – well, I used to be an erratic, crazy driver. Like, I got the Granada because my grandfather gave it to me, and my mom knew it was a, it was a, a rolling steel 
brick house and I couldn't die. And I mean, I never hit anybody, but especially in Spokane, like with, with the fact of snow, like it took forever to, you had to, if you wanted to stop a Granada, you had to wait six or seven blocks and, and wait to, you know, take your time. So yeah, you've told, you've totaled the car. Oh, yes, oh I, yeah. I know that. Never mind. I've totaled a um, few, uh, yeah, actually. I mean, yeah, so. yeah, the Scirocco I did, I rear-ended somebody. That was totally my fault. Young, new driver and not paying attention, and that's what happens. And then uh, I've been hit twice by drunk drivers and totaled two cars that's three not, times. But that's not times. your fault, is my point. No. Like, I've never been in a car that's been totaled. I've had I've had accidents where people have hit me, but no. Yeah, and then I jumped an RX-7. That You <laughs> you jumped a freeway with an RX-7. I did. Yeah, I did. okay. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. A All lot right, of I'll power. Ask you, I'll ask you about that later. Yes, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a long. It's a great story. It's a, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, what is your favorite car and why? Like, what is? Oh, that's oh, easy that, for me. That's, yeah. I don't even have children, but that's. I think that's like asking somebody, you know, what's your favorite child? I mean, right now, obviously, it would be my grandfather's 1959 Triumph TR3, which I restored and has a great story because I had it restored in Post Falls, Idaho, by Phil Hill. Uh, uh, Glenn Vaughn, who was his father, was in business with Phil Hill, and, and and so there's a whole story behind that. But and it's something that I will never get rid of because he bought it you know, for a thousand dollars in 1960, and it's you know it's it's like your Porsche. It does it's not fast. It doesn't have windows. It's you know it's a fair weather car. I I would drive it every day if I could. It's not as reliable as I'd like it because yeah. it's British. So <laughs> <laughs> my so. favorite car is also British ish. Yeah. It's British ish. Yes. Yeah, it'd be uh, papaya orange McLaren F1 LM. Something's those are different sides of the spectrum, cost and speed. Yeah, and, it's yeah. completely unobtainable. But uh, but yeah. why is that car your favorite? Um, so many reasons. One of the things it's most one of the most beautiful cars ever made. It's one of the best sounding cars ever made. I love that it's all naturally aspirated. Um, I love that it came out and it was so dominating. Um, there's a a part of that car that's just like uh, how they took on. Uh, every race they had, it, that car was so far out of the league of almost everything else out there. Didn't they take that car to Le Mans and like the, a street car and win? Yeah. So they, if you bought a McLaren F1 LM, you basically got a street car with different parts inside of it, and that's how you raced. That was it. it done. Yeah. Story over. It's like, okay, here's a few extra parts. Change those out. Go race. Good luck. Have a nice day. And it's the insanity of owning that car now, just even from a maintenance perspective, is just like unobtainable but it's just uh i think it was it's such a historical moment in that car it kind of put mclaren on the map as the the brand um that it's was, more of an admiration i think i just think driving a car that real and raw it's kind of the last of that era before everything went to dsg and well and that man. was like the original car that, that before bugatti and the fact that if you bought that car it was one thing to be able to own it but like in order to balance the tires you have to rent a racetrack and you have to yeah. drive it around the racetrack like there's so much to it as far as it's not like buying a car and 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 even any car, like like Bugatti, changed that in the fact that you have to have, you know glue the tires to the wheels, and you know it's just ridiculous <laughs> yeah. crap. And I think that's you know the, I remember reading about that when I was a kid, and the, you know the thing that caught my eye when I was a kid is the fact that the, the engine compartment is lined in gold, you know, and it was a BMW V12, which is weird to me. Like I never yeah. think of BMW as as a as a powerhouse with, with with engines and things like that, you know. So McLaren. Am, it's no secret in the fact that McLaren is, we love McLaren at Rain City Supercars. We always have. The brand, yeah. I, I mean, we, fought, we both love the cars, but it's been something that's, it's a it's a passion to love those cars. And I think there's, and I will say that I'm, I'm not always agreed with them. Like the speed, yeah. t- the speed tail, not my favorite thing. No. And I think they're trying to, to, they're trying to harken back to the F1 with the center seat and things like that, but it's tough. So. Yeah, but the, the 675 LT Spider. 
One also, of the, when one I of the most exciting cars I've ever driven in my life. I, the only time I've ever really seen Dan like not as speechless as we were in Monterey. We were in Carmel, and there was we came around the corner, and there was a white uh, McLaren F1. Yeah. Dan didn't talk for like two hours. I was just like, <laughs> just going to grab a lawn chair yeah. and sit here. Pretty much. Yeah, so. yeah there's something about, you know, like, you have a car, there's, you know, whether it's this one or it's the Triumph or it's that car that there's, I think there's something that just kind of speaks to you in a way that you is hard to describe, I mean, whether it's that car or, you know. Um, but that's that's the addiction we have to the automobile and the fact that, and even though I don't agree with it, people that take a, a, a Scion TC and they stance it, and it's that's their thing. And although I don't like it and I disagree with it, and Dan, just calm down, that, that to them, <laughs> like, that's their supercar, like I said. And that's that's their passion. And, and, and being able to get in the garage and wrench on that car and do what they want to make it theirs is, is something that's unique. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Not I'm the definitely. cars I would own, though. No. It's, for me, it's all function. I like to drive my cars and put miles on them and... For me, it's have everything. oil pans. Yeah, yeah. Function <laughs> is everything for me. So I got. I want to drive to Banff one day, and I want to drive to SoCal the next day. And I want to be. Like, I want a car that'll do it. And there's not a lot of supercars that'll do that. But there's Porsche not many people really that well. I know that w- can say statements like that, and I know would do it. Like I could see you going from Banff and being like going to SoCal today. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what is it about those long drives that you like so much? I mean. He's hijacked our show. That's okay. I'm okay. I'm good yeah. with it. Yeah, uh, this is a different perspective. What, yeah. It's the experience along the way. It's I like to find it if with the the dance drive stuff, the other stuff I do. It's uh, I like to find every back road in between. So I'm like, okay, I want to go here now. What's the most obscure way I can get there that will either allow me to experience the most, or see the most, or do something different? Um, That's how Dan came up with our catchphrase. Yeah, his catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a. Uh, yeah, it's the story between, and it's everything there. Like, I mean, I've done tons of country road trips. One of my favorite spots, I camped in Moab out of a back of a GTR. Uh, <laughs> I did my GTR on a road trip, did Pikes Peak and all that. But I was camping in Moab, Utah, because I wanted to see the stars at night more than I wanted to be in a hotel. And I ran into this father and son that were riding a KTM from North Carolina. And they're two different, you know, they're riding different bikes. But they had doing this cross-country trip, and they were just, like, seeing all the places they wanted to go off-road. So they're like, Moab, we got to go to Moab. So I hung out and had beers with them for an evening. And it was uh, just awesome stuff like that. I met another a lady from uh, Quebec who was riding by herself. Her She had a planned road trip with a guy she was with. They broke up, and he bailed. And she's like, well, screw it. I'm doing it anyway. And so she went. She rode her motorcycle from it was Montreal all the way to Moab, and she was wow. on her way down to Arizona. She did the whole thing solo. Had the time of her life. But it's like it's those stories between and everything. Out there. Like The roads are fun, and I don't know. You see so much, too, when you drive. It'd be one thing if I was driving to New York. I wouldn't. It's not on my list, but I'd have a lot of fun getting there. You know, what's what's a place that you would like? What's on your dream drive list? What's a Swiss Alps probably Europe actually experiencing more of the back roads around Europe and like a uh, probably a GT3 touring. There's yeah, that touring. there's that road that it's in the Alps and 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 Top Gear's used it. It's it's infamous. It's the back. It's a yeah. switchback that I would be. I drove around Thailand. That was really fun too. Like, uh, like there's places that are more obscure. Actually, probably New Zealand is probably highest on the list. I'd probably do that on a motorcycle, though. New Zealand on a motorcycle is probably my my next big bucket one. Well, let's get a GT3 and let's go to the Swiss Alps, and I'll film it. Okay. okay. <laughs> I like Doug's Done. comment in chat here. I'm going to go to the chat. Let's all buy GT3s and go to Europe. I agree, Doug. That's okay. a great idea. European you hear delivery. That? Doug's going to buy us all GT3s. <laughs> That's what I heard. I'm seeing a bunch of GT3 European deliveries and a great story. One of my 
best stories. And Dan, you're going to have to help me on which road I was on. Um, I had left Monterey Car Week, and I picked my parents up, and we were driving to Red Rock. And I was driving, I was coming out of Mammoth and coming across. Is it Death Valley there? Uh, yeah, I think so. Where, or Valley where, of Fire, Death where, Valley. Where's the where's the air, where like the Air Force does all their training and all that? Death Valley, probably. So we're driving across Death Valley in a Maserati. I'm doing 115 miles an hour, and I get passed by a Y22 Raptor. <laughs> not not the not the truck, the plane. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going, I cannot believe I'm living this life. Like I'm having the time of my life. I'm on a road trip with my parents. We're having a great time, and I get passed by an F, and a, and a, you know, a, an Air Force jet. So it's stuff like that. Like Dan said, it's not about. You know, I mean, I love getting in the curves. I love driving, yeah. but it's little things like that where you're driving and all of a sudden you, you know, you see something, you stop on the side of the road. And, you know, as, as a lot of people know, the listeners, you know, Dan and I, we do the, we do Seamont, but that's the point about Seamont is we don't take main roads. Dan is so good about finding these roads and finding these little towns that sometimes the story's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes you stop for lunch and it takes six hours because the people didn't know you were coming and it overwhelms the town or <laughs> other times that you, you stop in a little town and you go to the, the car wash to wash your cars and the whole town comes out and it becomes a, a little community meet and they get to see the cars and it, it's and you get to see some little kid's eyes who's never seen a Porsche or a Maserati or something or a McLaren sitting there. So it's stuff like that that makes it fun. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy Goodlett has this great quote in his in his film where he says, you know, the, these vehicles are vehicles to other relationships and experiences in my life. Mm-hmm. And that it just becomes another kind of an extension of how you get to experience the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, that's exactly right. That's pretty much why I buy all my cars and do all my drives. It's just a different way to experience things. And I found early on that growing up doing road trips, it's a lot more fun in a really, really fast sports car. (laughs) Especially when you're in the middle of nowhere and you can go 194 across the desert. Well, when you... At 75, this thing starts to shake. <laughs> I, you can I get to 75, you lucky bastard. <laughs> it does start to kind of go like this a little bit. But, I mean, I, I think that what I feel at 75, 80 in the rain is very similar to the to what you're feeling and is happening in your body and your GT3 when you're driving, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's super cool. I think that how how everybody gets to have – Whatever their car is, whatever they like, whether it's American or Italian, they still get to have something where they they get that little grin, they get that little smile, and it just gives them, you know, that little kind of giddy laugh. Well, I mean, not in you, a Raptor. You're not going to find that in a Raptor. No, <laughs> but you, and and Dan loves his 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 fast cars, but like. Nick Grio and Richard Grio brought up a thought. They, they they talked about it, and so many it threw so many people off because they were talking about the fact that they had restored that 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 uh, suburban, and they took a family road trip. And so many people have questioned me. They're like, "Wait a minute, when was that?" And people didn't get the fact. They thought it was when they were kids, yeah. and they weren't. Like, I mean, all of the, all all of the kids were grown. And they were adults, and they took this family road trip and. It's something like that. It's a bonding experience and the fact that, yeah, it's fun to go fast, but it's also fun to be in a car, you know, having having the time of your life. And, and you know, it's, it's about – I think it's also about doing it with not only the right car but the right people. So Yeah, that helps a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I don't think it matters. I mean, if you have $1,000 or $100,000, I mean, that, that same feeling still exists, you know. And um, a number of people that I've talked to, a guy that we're in pre-production for a film on right now, is very similar to to the Greg Campbell film where he's like, you know, I wanted to do this in my car, but I didn't have enough money to do it. So I just figured out how to do it. 
and that set in motion his and like a lot of his life is how he works on his cars and I think that that's you know there is that big connection between everybody who loves cars and for some people it is about the cars and they collect the cars and that's kind of it but for a lot of us it's about <clears throat> what this means for us and how we can experience the world and come in contact with, with like-minded people and share some experiences and then kind of keep going on down the road. Well, it, and it's not always about price, like you said. Like, And I mean, I uh, because of this show and things like that, my daily is a, a Subaru, and I've gotten myself back in the Subaru community. And I met a guy who has a WRX who has, and I kid you not, we went through his parts list. He's put $110,000 into this car. And I mean, but here he, he has the list. He knows the car. He's made videos about it, and and that's his passion. And he looks. He goes, yeah. People look at me and goes, I'm crazy. He thinks they think I'm crazy because I've got a hundred and ten thousand dollar WRX. He goes, but you don't understand. He goes, I don't see the monetary value. He goes, yeah, I worked hard for it. He says, but that's something I built. That's something that's mine. That's the story. I mean, and and him and I talked cars for hours because it's something simple and people go, well, you don't need, you know, yeah, but also it has a thousand horsepower, like (laughs) going, okay, well, great. Yeah. You could have probably bought a McLaren, but you know, you're not going to have a thousand horsepower. (laughs) So, well, you know, and that gets, um, I had a long conversation with a friend who had this whole conversation around our group guys and all the different kinds of groups of car people and how it's like, oh, I don't those guys, I don't like those guys, and those guys, and I don't like those guys. And and I'm definitely an air-cooled Porsche guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I have like my Luft T-shirt on more than <laughs> five days in a row now. And but but you know, I also very much appreciate anybody who really really loves their car and how they're connected to it, whether that's an Alpha or it's you know a pickup truck. I mean, there's there's there is some connective tissue between all of us in that world. I listen more to the Porsche guys and the Alfa Romeo guys, but you know, I think that if you just listen to people and take a moment and hear their story behind why they like what they do and why they've chosen this car, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a leveler. I agree. Oh, for sure. And 993 C4S is still very, very high on my list and, Nothing modified, just that, that wide-body 993 was, I think, Porsche's one of the most beautiful designs to me that they've ever done in the in the modern age, I guess. Their older cars will always win that for me, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I actually drove a 993 Sportomatic um, like the year before I bought this, and I was really tempted. It was at, at Park Place, and I was like, man, this would be great. My wife can drive it. It's super cool. It's I kind of still look back regretting that, but if I got that car, I never would have gotten this car. Well, but to be honest, after your story, we know your wife can drive anything. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Very capable woman. Craig, I want to thank you for coming on. We've had an absolutely amazing time. Um, And and thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for the stories you share in in your stories, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know where I was going with that, but... Yeah. yeah. Uh, one more thing before we go. They still know Avance events because they are they're shut down for COVID nineteen. So, uh, but Avance.com, check them out. They still have their very very active Facebook group and a lot of uh, they do. There's a lot of content online. A lot of people talking. A lot of projects going on. A lot of help still going around. So uh, if you're not a member, Avance.com, check them out. Yeah. But yeah. Well, Nick and Dan, thank you very much for for chatting. This was a real treat. Thanks yeah. for being a fan and thanks I- everyone listening. I, I look. To, that, I look uh, forward to meeting you in person. Uh, yeah. You know. Well, that's what I, I was going to tell Amanda. I go. This is great. 
as long as we can have a follow-up in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, was, yeah. Yeah. I would love to have you back and do this again for more stories because we could go on forever, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we haven't even touched on half of my agenda. So, <laughs> right, that means more. So he has an agenda. Good to know. <laughs> All right, for this episode of Rain City Supercars, I'm Nick. I'm Dan, and don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.